out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Hey, everybody. Now, this is a special AI governance show, so we're merging, I guess, today. The system merged us with um, that AI show. So I'm going to move Gregor up to the speaker column because typically he is the host at the Unsanctioned Citizen, but um, there's been an issue with the conveyance of work. So let me just take a moment here. Um, we're, we're starting on time. Let's move this together. Let's stay together, folks. Try to invite as many people as you possibly can to the show. Well, we're going to talk about AI today. And um, so one of the things I th- think I wanted to start with in short order can everybody hear me all right? Gregor, can you unmute your mic so that you can? Loud and clear. Okay, so let's, let us begin. Out of Austin, Texas, you're <laughs> listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Okay, becoming legendary for running intros twice. <laughs> um. There's a host of technical issues with the program, not mine. Um, They disconnected the unsanctioned citizen and merged everything with that AI show. I did not do this, but it was done uh, for me by the platform so that my regular listenership would not be able to benefit from the podcast directly. So I did send it out to everybody who's in my follower list. Uh, Gregor, are you still with me? If you can unmute your mic, just say hello. If not, uh, punch in, punch in your descent in the chat. Are you there? Can you hear me now? Okay. Okay. So your mic has gone out again. We may have to read. But I'm going to keep going. As best I can, Gregor. I'm testing my mic one more. It's it just came in and then it popped back out. So um, I don't really know why that's happening, but that's a significant problem. I've got an open queue right now to tell Colin that there is my show has disappeared. Um, that the the unsanctioned citizen has disappeared. And uh, my co-host cannot be heard on, heard at all on that AI show. I need extra help uh, guarding administration at the show. I don't care if you don't like me. I have a voice and I'm going to use it. And one should always retest their microphone every so often to see it. Okay. Excellent. So we are still with. 
Um, we're working together. We're drafting. Let's do it. Let's do it. I think I sent this. So it, it, it's titled, Where is the Unsanctioned Citizen? And we're off to the races. You know, I'm really sorry about all these technical problems. Maybe some of these technical problems will resolve themselves. Um, if the merger with Rumble is successful. So... That's what I'm hoping. And yes, I would like to rumble. Thank you very much. Okay. Why would you like to rumble, Gregor? I just think it's more fun than being cut off and so, so on and so forth. I was just thinking that they have a little more expertise in the audio video department and it might be a little bit smoother in the end. But of course, that's going to take time too because merging the code is going to take a lot of time. You mean like integrating like the, the platform work? Like, so if they made it a platform integration? Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if that's for sure what they're going to do, if they're going to have two separate. I haven't heard whether they're planning on having two separate apps or if they're going to integrate the two. Seems insane to me to not integrate the two. Yeah, it would be fun and it would be helpful. Um, the administration of, of this platform you know, the governance would be different for sure. And uh, the automated government of the platform would be different as far as like the technical governance. So with that, it really is an AI show because this week was AI week. Uh, I would say that most of the press went to the hearing uh, with Sam Altman, but that's not necessarily the right place to start. So Sam Altman wants a job. Okay. So we're all we're getting in the press from MSNBC and everybody all the way down is house members to host bipartisan dinner with open AI CEO, Sam Altman. I'm like, Oh, so why does he get to, to suddenly just have a, a closed door, you know, not, not welcome to the public dinner so that he can co-administrate um, public policy to the public. It sounds like he wants a public job. And I'm thinking, okay, well, we had a, a, a big hearing this week with the Homeland Security uh, Senate Committee on governance and AI governance. Didn't get any coverage. We aired some of it prior to this, this, uh, this broadcast. And you know, some of those things were, were kind of kind of blunted. But, you know, before I, I go there, I wanted to talk about current AI governance that, that we find kind of problematic. And I, I think that this is all put together. So we're just coming out of this Cold War phase where there's, there was something called misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, or MDM. And it was found to be unlawful. And it was kicked to the weaponization committee versus the Homeland Security Committee. But I think that there's a lot of ping pong because there are people on the Homeland Security Committee still who are very attached to misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation as a governance clique for the public. But it's not codified in law. And they're going to start cutting the budget for it. 
So there's a fight right now to keep COVID law and COVID arbitrary administration without law in place. And one of those occurrences that popped up this week, I'm going to pull up the um, Reclaim the Net article. This is a new Democratic bill calls for a federal agency to create behavioral codes and introduce disinformation experts as co-governing authorities. Now, this would essentially, this is the Digital Platform Commission Act of 2023. And what it does is it codifies MDM policy that was uh, covertly enacted or kind of surreptitiously enacted during the pandemic uh, on emergency force. So I'm just going to read these three paragraphs to you. On May 18th, two senators introduced the Digital Platform Commission Act of 2023, a bill that seeks to give powers to a new federal agency that will set up a council to regulate AI in the, con- in the context of social platforms. More precisely, the new body, the Federal Digital Platform Commission, would rule on what's termed as enforceable behavioral codes. And among those staffing, it will be disinformation experts. Now, you're going to have to pay for this. The move was by the two Democratic senators, Michael Bennett and Peter Welch, seems to have come in concert with congressional testimony delivered by OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. Since the bill was presented shortly afterwards and backs Altman's idea to form a new federal agency of the kind, Altman had more thoughts, pardon me, on how this should work The new agency, according to him, might be given the power to restrict AI development, but via licensing or credentialing. And the speed with which two senators picked up on this to announce their bill may owe to the fact that Bennett only had to go back and update one he already had introduced or lobbied, lobbied the Congress for in 2022 during the COVID pandemic. So this time around, the proposed legislation has been changed in a number of ways, most notably by redefining what digital platform is. The bill wants this definition. I'm reading further, but it's important information. The the bill wants the definition to cover those companies that provide content, quote unquote, primarily generated by algorithmic processes. This is done by proposing that the future commission be given the authority over how personal information is used in in decision-making or content generation which is thought to specifically refer to tech like chat GBT. Well, chat GBT doesn't have any personal information except for the, what it grabs. And the personal information of a GPT is not necessarily recognized. So if it's using your information, that would be a thing. But I, I think it's more important to not miss the headline. The headline here is that Sam Altman has an agenda and he wants to run you the way he runs OpenAI. So, Gregor, if you can port in and if you can open your mic, can you tell me why that might not be a good idea? Because I, I heard you have some. Well, let's see here. Sam Altman. He, oh, I'm, am I coming across okay? Oh, you're doing great. Okay. Sam Altman, interesting man, been around in the tech industry forever. He uh, joined up with Elon Musk to create OpenAI as a free open source AI that people would be able to use to defend themselves 
which you now have to pay $10 a month for. Uh, he also is a great big advocate of um, global governance. Uh, if you heard his, his in oh, wonderful oh, testimony this weekend. Oh, global governance, Gregor? Well, he, he, he actually thinks that this board that they're talking about creating should be done by the UN. He stated so. Oh, oh the World Economic Forum proxy. Yes. Go ahead. And, and so he, you know, he wants to uh, have that happen. And he's a firm believer that you shouldn't really have to work. You should have universal basic income. All of these point to one thing where we have to have a global socialist or communist system in order for it to function. Well, what makes him a socialist or a communist, Gregor? I mean, I'm not sure I can confirm that. Tell, tell well, well, because whenever the government is, is giving you everything or nothing in this case, um, whenever the government is actually supplying everything for you and telling you what do you have to do in order to get the benefits, that is a form of communism. That's how communism was envisioned. Not so that, that you'd be free because you your work would be paid for free and you'd have to you, you wouldn't have to do anything except for what this little bit of organization that the government requires you to do, which ended up starving 100 million people over the last century. Right. And anybody who dissents should be cut off at the knees and, and their life should be extinguished. And so should their families. Absolutely. And communism would work perfectly if we just got the right person in charge. I don't know if Sam Altman thinks he should be the right person, but that has always been the argument that, you know, it hasn't worked yet because the right person wasn't in charge. Just oh. ask Trotsky or Stalin oh my or God. Vladimir well, I Lenin. Guess, I guess he's got a team of really helpful, useful idiots working for him in the press who are just, you know, they did everything to put him out there and, and really, you know, campaign him saying like, Sam Altman's the guy, Sam Altman's the guy. He's doing AI. He's doing AI people. Meanwhile, we have substantive government platformer approaches that are that are that are really happening that really happened and got zero coverage by the same networks. Same networks. I'm going to pull up this uh I'm going to pull up this this stuff here from Rand Paul. Let's see here. So, Rand Paul we're going we're gonna to go to the artificial in committee hearing that was at the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. This was a legit hearing. It did happen. Got no coverage. Okay? So what's the time on that, Gregor? 12? 13? What, what's the time on it? 16.30. 16.30. So we're going we're gonna to go. We started at 1617, and this is uh, Senator yes, Peters, uh, the chairman. We look forward to a, a fruitful discussion, and a discussion that will likely continue well beyond this hearing and uh, be uh, engaging uh, for the foreseeable uh, future. I would now like to recognize uh, Ranking Member Paul for uh, his opening statement before we hear from our witnesses. Ranking Member Paul. In 1975, the late Senator Frank Church said, the United States government has perfected a technological capability that enables us to monitor messages that go through the air. That capability at any time could be turned around on the American people, and no American would have any privacy left. Such is the capability to monitor everything. There would be no place to hide. 
These words came as Senator Church led the Senate Select Committee to study governmental operations with respect to intelligence activities, better known as the Church Committee. The Church Committee's 1976 final report exposed numerous secret federal programs that violated the constitutional rights of American citizens. It deemed these threats, uh, it deemed to be threats to existing social and political order. These programs surveilled and uh, targeted individuals like Martin Luther King Jr. and domestic organizations like the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, as well as infiltrated movements to incite rivalries and discredit leaders. Nearly 50 years later, Senator Church's ominous warning that the government could weaponize technology against the American people reads more like a premonition. There is truly becoming no place to hide. In recent decades, journalists and whistleblowers exposed the examples of our government leveraging emergency techno emerging technologies to violate the privacy and civil liberties of its citizens. Intelligence agencies conducted surveillance of video game users collecting data on the contents of communications between players. The Department of Homeland Security tracked the locations of individuals and groups participating in the Black Lives Matter movement. The Drug Enforcement uh, Administration conducted covert surveillance of people protesting the death of George Floyd. And it's only getting worse. Just last month, the ACLU acknowledged the Biden administration has been quietly deploying and expanding programs that surveil what people say on social media, using tools that allows agents and analysts to visibly monitor the vast amount of protected speech that occurs online. And how are they doing it? Using artificial intelligence. For years, federal agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, State Department, National Science Foundation and FBI have been colluding with private organizations and social media companies to combat what they deem to be disinformation. Jacob Siegel in Tablet wrote, disinformation is both the name of the crime and the means to covering it up, a weapon that doubles as a disguise. I think that's an apt way of looking at disinformation. It's a tool for those who want to limit speech but it also doubles as a disguise and a means of covering up what they're actually trying to do. The purpose, so they claimed, was to combat foreign malign influence. But in reality, the government wasn't suppressing foreign misinformation or disinformation. It was working to censor domestic speech by Americans. Since 2020, the federal government has awarded over 500 contracts and grants related to misinformation or disinformation. George Orwell would be proud. While the grant awardees and their proprietary AI and machine learning technologies differ, their goals are consistent. To mine the internet, identify conversations indicative of harmful narratives, track those threats and develop countermeasures before messages go viral. One National Science Foundation funded company's mission statement claims that social media is being manipulated and ideas are being spread uncontrollably online. The solution it provides, an automatic controversy detection algorithm to help identify things that are potentially opinion shifting in order to make communication more productive and less dangerous. In other words, censorship. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we witnessed accelerated use of artificial intelligence technologies to monitor and suppress public debate on issues like natural immunity, masks, and the origin of the virus. 
multiple federal agencies, including DOD and the State Department, funded automated disinformation detection technologies designed to monitor and suppress public debate on issues like vaccine and the origins of COVID-19. Writer Jacob Siegel, in a fantastic yet haunting narrative explaining the last decade of U.S. government domestic censorship efforts, said, disinformation now and for all time is whatever they say it is. That is not a sign that the concept is being misused or corrupted. It is the precise functioning of a totalitarian system. Make no mistake, the United States is engaging in the same activities we criticize other countries for. But unlike China and North Korea, the United States government attempts to conceal its involvement using private entities as front companies to do their dirty work. But make no mistake, the intent is the same. Control the narrative, eliminate dissent, and retain power. This should terrify all Americans. The government is using your hard-earned tax dollars to surveil and censor your protected speech. Artificial intelligence is only going to make it easier for the government to do this and harder to detect. This should not be a partisan issue. We must get to the bottom of how the federal government uses artificial intelligence to violate the privacy and civil liberties of the American people before it's too late. Thank you, Member Paul. It is the uh, practice of the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee. Okay, so that, that was the end of that segment. Gregor, can you come back? Are you still with us? I was just I was just trying to be quiet. So, you know. <laughs> so, so it seems to me that there is dissent against the AI plan that is embraced and upheld as the standard, the new standard, the the cultivated standard of government that that isn't in law. You know, we we have this this, you know, annoying thing called the Constitution with a First Amendment that guarantees our ability to say what we want freely without any kind of government intervention. And yet, here we are fighting people like platformer, autocrat, technocrat, Mr. AI, Open AI, Sam Altman, uh, and his weirdo government plan in this uh, it, this bill to codify disinformation experts and behavioral codes that they can impose upon the public. Yeah, and we're going to continue seeing that because, as Ron Paul just point, Rand Paul, oh, and poor man, the poor guy's got to be sad about me calling him his dad all the time. <laughs> he um, has great. He has great hair. You're just making it curlier. Yes. And um, anyway, uh, and Rand Paul mentioned that, you know, the whole idea of the of, of private or corporate entities doing the government's work. I mean, tell me that's not fascism by every definition oh, in is. the world. Oh, yeah. You know, and people keep telling us that the, the so-and-so is fascist and such and such is fascist when they want to allow people to say what is okay. Or, or, you know, just to say their opinion. Um, I, I, it, it's, you know, it's as typically, and, you know, all the, all of the uh, hearings I heard about this week are the ones I sent, or when the ones I sat in on virtually. Um, it's the same thing. The left is accusing the right of doing what the left is currently doing. Changing definitions. Uh, AI is going to be either the most powerful tool in the world or the worst thing we ever developed. It's one of those things where it's not going to, you know, it's sort of like nuclear power. 
or uh, the splitting the atom. Splitting the atom was a turning point where we learned how to destroy ourselves as well as to promote huge amounts of energy for a relatively inexpensive price once you paid for the yeah and you know what it ended up being governed by the national security state in the end and 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 we're gonna unpack that we're gonna unpack that that pretty thoroughly in in the next half hour um but this is a tale of two hearings uh and so i wanted to get at the psychological nut of what you were just saying where uh basically the left is casting the right for its own crimes. Okay, and how they did that this week was we had another Homeland Security Committee hearing this week on left-wing extremism. That was the name of the hearing. But during the hearing, every single solitary partisan actor on the committee, subcommittee, for uh, oversight. Now, this is the Accountability Committee to bring federal action against legal misuse of government resources, malfeasance. And so every single solitary committee member who identified with the Democratic Party brought up instances of what? Right-wing extremism during the left-wing extremism hearing. And I'm thinking, this is a a bald-faced, misuse of the people's time you're not looking at what's in front of you 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 refuse to see the actual crime that happened okay and this is unfortunate because it happened where in democratic districts where they run everything that's where the crimes happen their constituents and most likely their own voters died at the hands of people who worked for Antifa, they were paid for by leftist activist organizations, also known as anarchist organizations, but they don't care what name you put on as long as you crush people, as long as you hurt cops. And see, they, and what's really weird about this whole thing, Gregor, is because you, you are in the PNW, I left the PNW, Okay, this is kind of where their their think tankery is really coming from. You know, their whole communist U.S. enclave is driven by the policy underneath the layers there. They, they kind of give it a soft green light. And so what they did in their, their epic genius is they let the anarchists take over three city blocks during the pandemic. And then showed up with AK-47s, ignored Weapons of war for everybody else, except Antifa, except their riot squads. So, and you're talking about the chop in Seattle. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so, people were charged to get in their own homes. Democrats were charged to get in their own homes. Okay, Democratic businesses burned. I have been through this. I have said it over and over again. These are Democrats that they threw under the bus. Their own people paying their taxes faithfully in their own districts. So, Well, and both Seattle and Portland now are talking about funding the police, strangely enough. And so I'm not sure what the point was. So I think that what they were doing in this kabuki theater performance 
was was lifting up Nazism as the the you know as the gall as as the as the crushing oppressor of white supremacy. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, you know that that the uh, the Nazis were socialists. They're essentially corporate socialists. So t- you can turn that finger right around and point it right at yourself. That's you. That's you. So how does corporate socialism work? Okay, well, you know, the, the amount of tech force that has been used against the American people is the perfect excuse for a segue. We're going to cut to, uh, to uh, Bellingcat. Now, Bellingcat is a case study in how the government uh, has both used technical force and AI and the national security state all together. Okay, and they used your money to suppress your speech and censor things that you do by watching you. We're going to go to Glenn Greenwald. Okay, here we go. The question that actually matters from which people like Jake Tapper are trying to distract is, what is Bellingcat? Elon Musk, who has become a leading source of narrative influence by Western media outlets, including CNN. And so every time there's a controversy surrounding Bellingcat, you have people inside CNN and NBC doing what Jake Dapper did here, which is rising to their defense and heaping praise on them as a, quote, great journalistic organization. Here is the Yale history professor who has become a leading resistance advocate. He uses his credentials as a Ivy League professor to essentially propagate Democratic Party uh, talking points. He's a huge fan of U.S. foreign policy and the U.S. security state, a fanatical supporter of the U.S. proxy war in Ukraine. He made a lot of money writing books about how Donald Trump is the new Hitler, how he's the singular threat to everything sacred in our democracy. He's just like a resistance troll on Twitter who happens to be an (laughs) elite professor uh, of history. And here's Timothy Snyder, unsurprisingly, as an ardent defender of the U.S. security state, U.S. foreign policy, doing the same thing. Quote, Bellingcat is a treasure trove of hugely important investigative journalism. Now, one NBC uh, personality who has a eight o'clock show on MSNBC, Chris Hayes, decided that he wanted to refute the accusations about Bellingcat. Chris had been using his Twitter account to defend Bellingcat. And then in order to refute the accusations about Bellingcat, who did Chris Hayes bring on in order to discuss this? Did he bring on a critic of Bellingcat? Did he bring on somebody who has done investigative reporting about the U.S. government and European security state agencies that fund Bellingcat to ask the question, why would the leading propaganda arms of the U.S. government and EU security state agencies be funding a, quote, great journalistic outlet that has intrepid investigations and independent reporting? That's not who they go and try and fund. They obviously try and fund outlets that promote their agenda, that promote their foreign policy, and that's why... Every time Bellingcat needs defenders, the people who stand up and defend them are the people who are the most loyal devotees of the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, the Justice Department, Homeland Security, the war in Ukraine, 
and European security state agencies because that's exactly who funds Bellingcat as we're about to show you. So you would think if you're going to do a TV segment where you intend to or purport to refute what Elon Musk said about Bellingcat and the widespread criticisms about how they actually disseminate propaganda and don't do journalism at all, you would at least speak to a critic of Bellingcat or acknowledge the evidence about who funds them and how they function as a way to have a full and informed debate. But of course, that's not what people in corporate media ever do. There is no dissent on NBC News. You turn on NBC News or MSNBC or CNN and what you find is exactly the same thing all the time. Two people or three or four or five all violently nodding their heads in agreement with one another to the point that you worry they're actually going to get, get a neck sprain. <laughs> That's what these outlets exist to do. They are a closed system of propaganda. And the way you know that is they never have anybody on who disagrees with the view of the news corporation. So if I wanted to do a downcat segment and I had a guest on, I would try and have that guest be someone from Bellingcat or somebody who defends Bellingcat. That's not what they do. So Chris Hayes, a virulent defender of Bellingcat, decided to invite on a Bellingcat operative to refute these claims. And never once was the funding of Bellingcat mentioned nor the criticisms of Bellingcat and the basis for those criticisms ever mentioned. Instead, they both joined together and scoffed at Bellingcat's critics in a segment, a part of which we're about to show you. Respond to the world's richest man and the owner of Twitter basically saying this is a fabricated psyop that you invented. And no, just for, I've seen people asking the question, so just to clarify, these two are not related biologically. Uh, this Bellingcat operative <laughs> is not the nephew or the son of Chris Hayes. I understand why people have asked that question, but I want to just clarify that, to my knowledge, at least they have no biological relationship, despite their virtually identical appearance. But here's how this segment went. So I want you to respond to the world's richest man and the owner of Twitter basically saying this is a fabricated psyop that you invented. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it's not. I mean, I, I, I didn't even find this first. The Texas police found it, and then it got leaked to the New York Times, and then I kind of put the clues together to find it. He just, you know, didn't like that we posted it, I guess. But, I mean, you know, Musk is just getting garbage information because he's just entirely kind of flooded in this, like, far-right, um, you know, info space with, you know, um, you know people from, you know, Glenn Greenwald and uh, all, all these types who are kind of... Um, putting this kind of stuff out there. So he's just getting, you know, garbage in, garbage out kind of how his thought process goes. I don't think he actually understands this all this well. So there was a lot of name-calling there. There was a lot of snickering, a lot of patronizing commentary. You know what? There wasn't any sudden engagement with the criticisms, any of the reporting that we've done, because they cannot confront that. They don't want their audience to know about that. That's why they don't have on a critic of Bellingcat or even mention the criticism themselves. I also will never stop finding it incredibly ironic that a TV host who never criticizes the U.S. security state except to beg them to do more on behalf of his party and an operative from an propaganda arm that is actually funded by the U.S. security state and its propaganda arms and EU security state agencies are calling me someone who has been a career-long critic 
of those security state agencies a far-right operative or a far-right voice. And of course, Chris Hayes lacks the courage. Chris Hayes has known me for 15 years to point that out, that that is a preposterous label. Now, I don't care about these labels, but the point is that this is how they try and discredit people. They use these labels that they know are signifiers to their audience, that once they put that label on someone, you can just tune them out forever. You don't have to engage with their reporting. You don't have to engage, engage in the substance of anything that they say. So it's just always bizarre to be called right wing by people whose mission in life appears to serve the CIA. Sir. Okay, so that's, that's it. The people who want to control the, the national security narrative or the foreign policy narrative, the people who are in charge of story streamlining, also known as propaganda, okay? Okay, they have, they have villain, villainized. They have made you a villain. And all villains are right wing white supremacists okay anything you do anything you do is wrong everything you say is wrong everything you do is written off no matter how true it is no matter how right it is no matter how how well researched it is it is in the garbage can because national security foreign policy people don't like it <laughs> okay just and those are the people who were kind of sort of in charge during the national emergency. And if you don't like the way they run things, you better vote down Sam Altman for your AI because your life is going to be garbage, garbage, garbage. If you let him just walk into a government position because he, he was a star hearing person. In the meantime, there was this other substantive hearing that the press completely forgot about because they're busy carrying the water of the national security state. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with this because they're beating the drum. I'm going to beat it. Oh, Oh, they're going to get it. All right. So this is the tale of two hearings. So part of this was, was, you know, I don't agree with, with Glenn Greenwald on everything. And this week uh, he brought up Montana's TikTok ban. And um, I'm sort of okay with the ban. The reason why I'm sort of okay with the ban is because it's never okay for the Chinese to censor American people or, you know, whip around their information to use against them or conduct espionage, la, 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 la. Okay. So this is the debate. Montana's new TikTok ban. Is it enforceable? Is there parity with Chinese relationship to U.S. platforms? Yes or no? I, I think I think there isn't. And uh, should U.S. national security state manufacture and administrate U.S. social media platforms? This is the framing around this debate. I don't think the national security state should be involved in our social media platforms at all, at all. But this is the framing for what a, what the debate is now. Montana. Through the first punch, they banned it. Okay? The the first counterpunch from the operating left, pa-pow, is we'll move to a VPN and keep using TikTok. Now that's that's their their choice. They can they can use the in California, they can just move their VPN to California and 
and use uh, the Chinese app. That's their, that's their, they have no problem with China raping you for data. They do it every day, every day for money. Okay. They have no problem with children being trafficked over the border to be raped for money or to pick their lettuce and fruit and, you know, and slave away on their farms for no money. They have no problem with slavery yet. Right wing supremacists are guilty of all slavery. Just remember that. So they're just going to conveniently pin their crimes on white right wing supremacists. Who are they? Everyone who is not them. Everyone who objects to the national security state narrative. Just remember. All right. So, Gregor, please come back. X app is coming. <laughs> What's that? X app is coming. Oh, okay. What's X app? X app is a project by Elon Musk in order to replace something like WeChat or other Chinese-based <laughs> systems. His plan is, according to an article, um, let's see, according to this quote, let me verify that the link works because sometimes uh, Bing gives you fake links because AI has an imagination. Um, yeah, according to ZDNet, uh, ZDNet, Elon Musk S-snapped the everything app, and here's what you need to know. It's supposed to be within three to five years he's planning on having this app. He hasn't quite decided whether it's just going to integrate into Twitter or if it's going to be a separate app. But I know he's pushing with Tucker Carlson having video being, uh, a, you know, a big part of Twitter in the future, which is part okay. of what, um, you know, part of what uh, TikTok is, except for more than 30 second bites. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrown a little bit by this curveball of, of him hiring a WEF exec, Zacharino. I think her name is. Yes, to, to and that is scary. Box. That is scary. I, I'm with you 100% on that because of Macarino's, uh, Zacharino's uh, relation to the World Economic Forum, as you called it, with. Yeah, she's, she's executive. Um, I thought she was vice executive. No, executive. Executive. Yeah. Like, she's deeply embedded. And considered by some a concern. Did, uh, hey, Gregor, can you, can you come back? Yeah, I'm sorry. I have airplanes in the background because I have an airplane in my neighborhood. So I was just okay. Well, I've got I've got trains in my in my background. So planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, so about this TikTok ban. Um, so there's four the ban. So the people who are in favor of the ban they say that China claims ownership of the data that runs through their IPs and everything that's owned by their IP. China compels the espionage of its citizens and party members. Okay, banning the app would set a standard against Chinese manipulated IP domestically. And, um, okay, against the ban, it says, it's US censorship of attack platform in America and American voices will be censored. Okay, plus the NSA owns you anyway, so let China do it too. China will throw a tantrum and threaten all business lines of data on the BRICS exchange and interrupt the data to money exchange as a fury sanction. They will punish us if we cut off TikTok. Okay? So I'm thinking... I don't care. Well, the reason why they don't care is because the national security state has investors or investment firms, and one of them is InQtel. InQtel... One of the ways that they've been able to do platform stakeholder activism is because 
they have invested heavily in social media platforms like Facebook. Facebook is a, a classic case example of a platform that's virtually owned by the CIA, okay, through Incutel. So Incutel is a shareholder and they get money from China, okay? Facebook also gets money from China, okay? So the US national security state is profiting from who, Gregor? From China. From China. It's China. It's the China virus. It's China's China's fault for enabling it. And it's China who's benefiting. And it's China who is saying, I will turn off the tap of money to the CIA if and throw a massive international tantrum where your business lines of making data, not their data, your data, taking because They've got us coming and going. The CIA or the, the, you know, these national security platforms who have wedged themselves in there as stakeholders to control the flow of information and to control all the, uh, all the vectors of communication, psychological operations, propaganda, you know, all of those things that have been happening, uh, they have done by manipulating stakeholder investment activity. And that's Incutel. And Incutel profits from China. They're not going to stop the money from coming back to profit the, the security state. The security state is profiting off of U.S. censorship. This is illegal. It is beyond immoral. And it has been addressed in a whack-a-mole type way from the Congress. But this, cutting off the investor state and making and making these people in the national security state able to profit from China is something that I wrote about in my book, Privacy is a Spider, the second second volume, the second second leg. Um, we'll call it an ebook because it hasn't been allowed out. So if there's one reason for, for my tone to be, you know, cut off or for PayPal to not pay for my stuff or to, to, to cut me off, that would be it, is because I added the fact that that InQtel is an investor that benefits from China, and China is is basically paid to data rapists, and and the national security state is doing the same thing, and so they're gonna they're gonna argue this batshit argument. The NSA owns you anyway, so let China do it. So here's the wild card that that comes from that type of reasoning. Okay, do a knockoff of TikTok and establish a U.S.-based copycat explicitly run by the national security state so they can be satisfied uh, to, uni- by, to satisfy the universal platformer safety fascist like Sam Altman, just like Facebook. And then, then the National Security Council may compel a move to legally dissolve user contracts on all American accounts based on whatever national security but never sovereignty. I, I don't think they're going to go for a sovereignty argument because that, that would, that would kill their trade. So well, we can't have sovereignty it, among the people. What was that? Craig Gregor? We can't have a sovereignty among the people that would be dangerous because <laughs> that would invade their safe spaces. I mean, this is all related. This whole safe space woke thing is and control of the speech. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, all related. China's, 
China's laundering policy through the through the national security state. Otherwise, they'll cut their money. Now you figured it out. The national security state has been covertly corporate captured because of their investments and their money. Their subterranean train of cash will be cut. So I, my thought here is that they don't need that cash anyway. So basically decoupling with China is the right thing to do because it would starve the corrupt to death in our deep state. I say, let it happen. What do you say, Gregor? I think that, you know, thanks to uh, President Nixon and our relationship with China and the encouragement of the Clinton administration in order to make sure we moved all of our manufacturing to cheaper locations because of what China does with their population, is exactly why we are here. Now, what I think corporate the corporations don't understand is that all that money they have invested over there is not theirs. Once nope. they invested it, it's gone. They'll never, ever get it back. There's no way to get it back. And because of that, they've given control. If they put their golden handcuffs on and said, thank you very much to the, you know, to the Chinese Communist Party. Well, they, they, they just, you know, and they expect along with that. And so this kind of catch-22 aggression, this passive aggression that you're getting from your own people that doesn't make any sense is the, is, is those, um, are those golden handcuffs. And I saw it every day. In fact, I saw it from the Perkins Coey woman that decided to pull me over and say, you know, you're a sellout just like everybody else. I'm like, where are you coming from? I don't do what you do. I'm not a sellout. But she was projecting, you know, that, that you know, we should all just sell out and, and be a part of the, you know, the privacy slash, you know, data compensation plan where everybody makes money off of you except you. And I'm like, I'm not on the plan, girl. You know, I'm trying to stay out of it. And that's the whole reason why we're sitting together drinking your beer on a Saturday afternoon. But you had to do it covertly by manipulating my spouse. Anyways, let's move along. There's Anyways. information there I didn't know about. So nice. <laughs> you were there when, when I outed it. Remember the Perkins Coey woman that I talked about? Yeah, but I didn't realize you actually had a beer with her. So, Yeah. Yeah, I think it all fell together. Uh, one or two beers in, it just came all tumbling out. So, um, oh, look, Vladi Biden would like to, to talk. Uh, I got to talk today, Vladi, so I think as a, as a casual reward, we'll let you speak. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Oh, my God. Hi, Vladi. Thanks for joining the Unsanctioned Citizen yeah. through... I, I, I was uh, originally with you at the other podcast, and I wasn't sure if you were coming back. And uh, I was thinking, oh, man, the AI's got to her. The <laughs> AI's got to her. They're just blocking her. Well, you know? I mean, <laughs> they cut my show. They moved my show, so I couldn't do um, I couldn't do my show from The Unsanctioned Citizen. I couldn't choose it today. It was obstructed. So the only show that was allowed was my other show, that AI show. Yeah, I guess you're going to have to change your game, believe it or not, because you know they're obviously against you. And by the way, just to let them, you guys... <laughs> I know, I know, of course. The feeling is also mutual. We have to be as conservative and Republicans and Christian against it. But I was going to tell you... Oh, no, no, no. No, no, you, uh, are a, <clears throat> you are a 
white supremacist and exactly a, supremacist xenophobe right, transphobe right. homophobe misogynist yeah. i hate the world i hate the transgendered i hate everything well, you hate that's taking right? place I, yeah but it doesn't matter because i'm christian that alone disqualifies i'm a christian nationalist um, I don't know how, where they get the white the white supremacy, but I'll, I'll, yeah. okay, I'll take it. It, it doesn't and... matter anymore. You can be a Chicano <laughs> from the border for your whole life. <laughs> yeah. You know, and brown as hell. Brown, brown is a black people. Okay. It doesn't matter. If, if they told you... If that if that woman from LA Times told uh, uh, wrote an article on uh, on Larry Elder and called him the black face of white supremacy, I guess I must be the brown face of white supremacy. I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but anyway, I was going to tell you. Agree <laughs> with allowing the security state to have your Chinese money, you are a white supremacist. I'm a white supremacist. Yeah, I'm a colonialist. I'm abiding oh, by oh, my oh, white oh, supremacists. Yeah masters and i have the same thinking if i do not want to change and, and and abide by their rules and i'm a resistance and i'm a white supremacist <laughs> i never thought i belonged to the clan or i was a neo-nazi okay, yeah let me, let me pull this up okay this is representative goldman from the from the hearing this week you're trying to gaslight us erupts at gop's left-wing violence hearing there he is He's kind of like the uh, the inversion of Tucker Carlson. Uh, Representative Dan Goldman of New York on Tuesday slammed a former top de Department of Homeland Security official. I don't know why this happened. I watched it. For downplaying the dem domestic terror threat of white supremacists while overstating the threat posed by organized groups on the left. Okay, this first sentence is editorial. And this is a story by Gideon Rubin for Raw Story. Okay? That frame, he slammed for overstating a threat posed by organized groups on the left. It is a hearing on left-wing violence. Goldman took aim at Scott Erickson, former De Deputy Chief of Staff at U.S. Department of Homeland Security during a, home a Committee on Homeland Security Subcommittee on Oversight, Investigations, and Accountability hearing, mostly peaceful countering left-wing organized violence. Julio Rosas, also Marine, Latino, was at all these protests, was present, he was treated with remarkable respect. Remarkable respect. Okay, so Erickson, during his opening remarks, cited left-wing groups as an Antifa as a domestic terror threat. So look at what our actual executive branch agencies in charge of overseeing white supremacy, overseeing the homeland. Let's look at the homeland threat assessment, which says DVE, domestic violent extremists, racially and ethically motivated violent extremists, Specifically, white will remain the most persistent and lethal threat in the homeland. Okay? Now, I know all of a sudden you on the side that wanted to fund the FBI, you wanted to fund the ATF, but the director of the FBI, a Trump appointee, whom they kept, he's like the only one they kept, and he's done such such a fantastic job that that whistleblowers went up before the committee hearing this week. Oh my God, 
That's a total sidebar thing that we didn't get to talk about. That and the uh, Texas privacy law that will probably be passing so that you will have a civil private right of action to sue the shit out of national security platformers slash Chinese beneficiaries slash uh, Sam Altman when he fucks up. Okay, then. And what's the Texas House? Um, Texas. Oh, look. What? Oh, Mary wants to talk. Let's let's bring her up. Hello. Hi. Hi, Mary. Um, Hi. Welcome to the program. Have you spoken here before? No, never. Okay, so I'm... tell us a little bit about uh, about you and, and, and what brings you to the show today. Well, I live in Chicago, and um, I'm older. <laughs> I'm 65, and in the last, like, several years, I've woken up to a lot of alarming things and I'm basically listening to independent media only now. I stopped listening to CNN and that kind of thing many years ago. And, um, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I cannot believe what's happening. I was listening to, I, I have a lot of Substack subscriptions. Well, several, but I mostly like, enjoy Matt Taibbi and he does a Friday thing. I don't know if you know with Walter Kern. Oh yeah. We've, we've aired cuts of him every, almost every week. Um, we, things have been kind of clogged or bogged down. He did a great one uh, with Walter. Yeah. Kern this week. If, if you haven't subscribed to his sub stack, please go do it. Oh no, I do. Um, it, it, it's, I'm just telling the rest of the listeners, don't miss out on Matt Taibbi. Uh, he's really roasting the the uh, the Russian narrative because he got tossed on his on his duff by Rolling Stone I, I think pretty unfairly too because he was trying to find actual sourcing for some of the claims and they weren't interested so go ahead no no um and I've been listening to well I think honestly I think where my journey began was with Snowden and yeah um Glenn Greenwald and when I, I mean, I realized, you know, Snowden was basically doing America a favor. He was basically risking and his whole world, he just threw it up in the air and said, I'm going to do this. But he did it right. He found a journalist in Glenn Greenwald that he knew had the right kind of morals to, you know, the right kind of, uh, <laughs> what am I trying to say? You know, um, journalistic Hutzpah. ethics to do it he had he yeah had right and um so that i think led me probably somewhere glenn mentioned matt taibbi then i started reading his books like griftopia and hate inc and just other ones and then you know just just started discovering more and more independent media but i mean it's like i'm glad you listen and you know read matt taibbi and racket news and stuff and so you know and we all know this the, these facts but it's like matt and walter are saying like we can't believe how out of hand this is like at least like with the red scare you know it was kind of like one kind of nutty you know mccarthy where he was like you know and it it got completely out of hand, but it seemed like at some point they woke up. But now they're not shamed. These people have no shame 
when they get caught with what they've done, I, I guess it came out that there were hundreds of FBI agents at January 6th. But I think if you looked at January 6th oh. uh, basics, you could see that the thing was a setup. They were letting those people in the doors. They had called off a lot of the, you know, um, Capitol Police or the security. They didn't bother. They had set this thing up so much. And then they go after these people in like a Stalinist show trial thing where they have like television producers, you know, doing this whole January 6th parade. But I mean, okay, yeah. there's two things I can say. Like, I, yeah. It was un- yeah. unbelievable. The yeah. news is part of it. The it news is incredible. Is it. It's incredible. I know. It's all, it's like all, uh, you know, coordinated together. They're the propagandists that sell the stories that these people just completely want to believe. And so they do believe. And when the facts come out, that go against that, they just become angry. It's like when your team loses or something ridiculous. But what they don't understand is you're supposed to be on Team America. You're supposed to care about the country. But you are busy, you know, and your big excuses, but Trump, but Trump. And the They're useful idiots. Just, <laughs> well, I, it's all projection. You know, I'm not, I didn't vote for Trump both times and it doesn't, it does not matter. Now I am in a column, a fifth column of people, uh, you know, just like anybody else who's a dissenter, I'm in a fifth column of people who are like, I'm a racist, white supremacist, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm like, how the hell did I get here? I mean, I was, I, no matter how careful you are, you know, if you run into some of this, these people, you are condemned collectively. They believe it is a romance. They are in bed. It is hot because they're getting paid, Mary. They're getting paid money. Okay, it is hot. And that hotness comes from, from the cash that is coming from the federal government. And it's being laundered through China. China is paying them through data. They're just getting, it's just like a big little ring. Okay, Biden, same thing. He got his money from China and, you know, mm-hmm. they just want to keep yeah. it going. It is a cold war against you. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm saying well, it, this it's is true. Yeah. Well, it, it's a cold war against really all of America. Any free, but they, but a good, uh, a good chunk don't really think it involves them. They don't think that they're being, but I mean, if you don't, this is a Patriot Act. If you don't think the Patriot Act and this latest thing that has been part of the Patriot Act, this Patriot Act, the 702, that they're trying to re-up. Oh, yeah. And that's. Let's go. Yeah. There. Let's go there right now. Uh, let's okay. See here. I, I've got I've got the news right here. So in case anybody didn't know, uh, we're going to kick back to this. Uh, the other he- the FBI has been all over the headlines this week. FBI says former agent was arrested over January 6th, called officers Nazis and encouraged mob to kill him. There was also a, an, I mean, just an expository hearing where FBI whistleblowers came forward and, and described exactly how their life was completely upended. Okay, in addition to that, we had the FBI that searched January 6th rioters and George Floyd demonstrators on both sides. Did not matter, and the FBI has been doing this for years. Agency used foreign spying law, FISA. 702 to gather intelligence on 
what one lawmaker calls a shocking abuse. It's always shocking. So Washington, the Federal Bureau of Investigation improperly searched a trove of intelligence gathered on foreign spying law for, of information on people suspected of participating in the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol and the George Floyd protests. This is the Wall Street Journal. Um, mm-hmm. A court opinion released Friday showed, despite a lack of evidence, the FBI performed more than a dozen searches of raw foreign intelligence data related to people believed to be involved in the Capitol riot to hunt in, for foreign ties, the court said. Separately, three January 6th searches were conducted that used more than 23,000 search terms, such as an email account to look for evidence for a foreign influence in relation to an unidentified group involved in the riot. The Justice Department later determined that there was insufficient factual support for the searches. FBI analysts also searched for information related to 133 people arrested in the aftermath of the protest prompted by the killing of Floyd, a black man who died pleading for his life while a white Minneapolis officer knelt on his neck for more than nine minutes. So during redactions, sorry, due to redactions in the opinion, it wasn't clear whether the searches related to individuals protesting racism and police brutality or to counter protesters. The senior FBI official declined to clarify for Minneapolis. And I don't think it matters. Warrant. Who was, was there a crime? Yeah. Who, who was the foreign official that they were looking for? Nobody. This is all domestic. Four Minneapolis police officers have been convicted of crimes in connection with Floyd's death, including Derek Chauvin, blah, blah, blah. So in a separate incident, the Bureau ran identifying terms of 19,000 Americans to an unnamed congressional campaign. through the So this is, this is pure, bald-faced election and political profiling. To the Foreign Intelligence Database, an official said the search involved a congressional candidate and not a current member of the Congress. By later review of Justice Department lawyers, included only eight of the thousand ter- thousands thousands of terms had a plausible connection to a foreign government activity. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close it there. Mary, Gregor. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what say you? Well, I, I, my concern is, is, is that we can't have an, any fair elections anymore. My concern is that... You're worried about that. Yeah, I'm worried that... I mean, I live in Chicago. We haven't had fair elections in forever. But i worried about, you know, the next... Are you worried pres- about democracy? Actual democracy, not this other type of yeah. democracy? <laughs> yes. They seem to have lost the idea of what democracy is, which... I love the way Matt Taibbi and Walter Kern about talk about that. It's just such hypocrisy. But no, it is so important that people not not that, that people have a choice. Like my sister, I I have a couple of sisters, and they both like think Trump is like the devil himself, and they, you know, voted for Biden. And it's like okay, but you know, when I try to talk to them. And my sister, my one sister will say, well, it's our own fault. And I said, do you realize that they don't let any, anybody who runs say exact against Diane Feinstein when she ran last time when she was. Hello, Mary, are you still with us? Mary's, uh, Mary's mic is gone from where I can, Gregor, can you, can you hear Mary? No, that sounds like that sounds like her mic's gone. I don't know why. Um, it sounds okay. staticky. But in commenting along Mary's lines, um, 
election fairness give her a second to come back and see if you know maybe she does but okay i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, mary if you can hear me I'm, I'm just gonna temporarily remove you from the queue it's not you were not being cut um or muted at all uh we did not do that and and you're invited to come back and talk to us at any time uh so so come back in the queue and we'll let you speak again but we've had microphone interference on, on the program uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take uh, vladi next See how it goes. And while Vladi is warming up, I wanted to talk about Dr. Fellow by the name of Dr. Robert Epstein. People don't necessarily oh, know hey, about. Oh, hang on, Vladi. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna force you to right now. And go ahead. Go ahead, Gregor. Um, you know, Robert Epstein uh, is a researcher, um, a, a devout Democrat, who has for the last three elections been researching how Google influences our elections, oh. and he's proven that Google uses manipulative search indices in order to, uh, he's out of the, he is out of the Harvard uh, trained research psychologist. And he's proven how Google uses data manipulation to sway elections as much as five or six points, which is what elections are decided by anymore. And the reason I brought this up now is because when you think about the dangers of AI, um, you know, if people start using AI and I use it extensively because I'm trying to figure out how it works. Mm -hmm. But if I start believing every single thing it says I, without verification, it's going to shove me to the left. It's going to work really hard at doing that because it's only going to produce mm -hmm. data and information that promotes that view. And I'll, you know, eventually you become to the point where that has to be right because that's all I'm finding. Google has been doing the same thing for more than a decade. And um, you know, we, we, they have absolute proof with thousands of people researching, doing the research, mm -hmm. doing Google searches during the election and, you know, screenshots and all that stuff proving that the sway is way too far to the left. And one of the big things we saw was the Hunter Biden laptop where the news media and Google and everybody came up with all kinds of information, all of which was proof, all of the falsehoods that it was not true. Is that right. make sense? Double right. negative. Um, but you know, it, they found out now that everything about that was true. You know, there's uh research indicating from the, I, the blaze. I just uh, read an article there. They found over 170 crimes where they have enough evidence to convict Hunter Biden. And yet he's not been charged with anything. Um, uh, and this Gregor, is all because of searching. Gregor, Gregor, let me interrupt. Um, if anybody is having trouble technically staying in the room, uh, if you could document that in the chat, like if you get automatically purged or kicked out against your will, like you were just sitting there minding your own business and you get kicked out, um, you know, I, I want you to put that in the chat if you can um, or, or send me a show note because I'm sending all of this and an audit report to to Colin because my show has been a target for many. This This is untenable. Go ahead. Well, and, and I was pretty much done anyway, but I mean, the fact of the matter is that AI is only going to make this data manipulation and this, this worldview manipulation worse. I'm not saying we should restrict it. I'm saying we have to figure out a way to use it intelligently, and therein lies the big challenge. Hey, Vlad, how you doing, buddy? Well, I, I just wanted to, to mention, so or get some clarification, Gregor. Um, don't eliminate AI because AI is, is here. It's here, kind of here to stay, but stiff limits on the way it's administrated to to uh, to, to cut Americans off. 
Well, and and therein lies the danger. If we if we look at these panels that they're discussing, they're talking about making sure that you only get certain data that's going to skew this way or that way. It already is because of the individuals that program it. Hence, my original hope for OpenAI was that it would become open source. Various people would, you know, be able to tweak it and do things with it to open it up in various different directions. Um, you know, there was a long form interview with uh, Jordan Peterson and another fellow who I talked, forgot the name about, big on the whole idea of the psychology of AI, um, only because language is such a psychological thing. And they were talking about how much influence this would have. And the idea that maybe the better, best defense against AI is for everybody to have a personal AI that they can tweak and, and um, teach to be the best servant to them individually and thereby protecting them from unwanted or un, you know, uh, from well, like, I mean, virus that's, that's if people That's if people understand AI. That, that's continued a lot, Gregor. That's a, that's a highly experimental thought form to call forth what this is the people who are manipulating ai governance right now are is the national security state and and they're getting coaching from the ccp so i'm going to point to skype skype calls to china skype calls to china cannot connect as ccp weak connection is thought to be deliberate blocking by ccp users of microsoft internet telephone and messaging service skype are reporting that they cannot connect to Chinese mobile phones and landlines. Skype's Chinese operator has said that the connection difficulties stem from technical problems, while Microsoft said Wednesday it is working to fix the issue. However, a China and technology expert says the CCP, or the Chinese Communist Party, may be blocking the international calls for the regime's political security. Political security. The topic Skype calls the Chinese mobile phones has attracted wide attention online since the beginning of the month. And Chinese Skype users uh, use Skype to communicate with relatives in China. In an online forum, one user posted, I'm in the United States and I use the Skype app to call my friend's mobile phone in mainland China. Since last week, it hasn't been working. Every time it rings twice and then gets disconnected with an automatic voice, that your connection is too weak. Uh, I search, and, and I'm not the only one. I guess China's firewall has been upgraded again. Um, so basically, China can balkanize, but nobody ever calls calls it balkanization. Nobody ever calls China on their censorship of other nations. Nobody ever calls them out. When I say nobody, I mean not me, and it's not the establishment profiting from platformer politics. And platformer of BRICS exchanges of data and data surveillance. It's not those people. Uh, but the people using these applications and, and being shuttled in saying, no, no, rely on our platforms. They're pure. They're good. These are platforms that are good for you. Did you know that there are ads on television now? Like class action lawsuit ambulance chasers? who are saying, if you have been maligned by an online platform, please call this number, blah, 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 blah. That's happening now. Because laws in Virginia were passed uh, that you could have private right of action 
you know, if you are damaged and your child is damaged by a platform, you may sue the, the doo-doo out of them. I'm going to take Blotty. Blotty, you with us? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. Can you hear me? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. No, what I was going to tell you is you do know now that calling now belongs to Rumble, right? Oh, yeah. That's that's a benefit. Yeah. So it's going to be strictly exactly by their rules, which is good. We don't have to worry about the left trying to silence us. And, and you know, we're welcome to the Rubble family. I just want to see more uh, of an announcement and more people. We're going to start getting a shitload of people like that. <laughs> but like I said, uh, uh, Colin's been for everyone. So I hope it's uh, they don't come with the idea that, you know, they're going to be limited uh, like in Twitter before it was owned by Musk and, you know, Facebook and and uh, other platforms that do the same, to, you know, limit uh, opposing speech to the left. So as I just thought, you know, to inform you guys, but now that you guys know, and Gregor, I'm assuming he knows too, pretty sure, he's usually well-rounded in his information. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Anyway, guys, I hope to see you soon. And thank you for uh, sharing with us vital information. And some of it is laughable, but you know, on the left, everything's laughable usually. Uh, so have a great weekend and be careful. Otherwise, they'll put you down as Goebbels, <laughs> the modern day Goebbels, <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> yeah, I'll, suddenly I'll wake up tomorrow and I will, I will not only be a, a white nationalist, white supremacist, but I'll also be uh, an evil globalist. You know, I'm gonna be called like the a dartboard crucifix <laughs> for every every damn thing that there is. They need the Jesus new... Christ, dude. Okay? <laughs> they need someone to pin their sins on. And I'm like, go to Christ. Put it there. The new minister of propaganda. <laughs> the minister of truth fails, so they gotta have the minister of propaganda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go go pin it on Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I know I'm not racist because I'm a Viking by heritage and we enslaved everybody. So. Oh, God. Oh. No, not good. But, you know, the thing is, is that slavery is still against internet breaker. And, and they're so overlooking so many things. They're overlooking China's role in, in slavery right now. You cannot say boo about China's slavery and what they do in their factories. You know, it's because they're part of it, like the companies are part of it. So people don't, they just, the willful blindness for people who are seduced by money is so grossly um, overrepresented. And I think it's time for us to have that legal standard return where people, normal people, go to the police and they file crimes and they, they go to their representatives and they say, this crime happened. I'd like for you to do something about it. You know, are you on a judiciary committee? Here is evidence of a crime. I saw it. You know, <laughs> this is a crime. And, and so one of the people who's actually doing their job is, is Marjorie Taylor Greene. She introduced an article of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas, and her, her grounds were that 
he had a refusal to uphold the immigration laws and he gave the Mexican drug cartels and human traffickers and criminals and terrorists operational control of the border. All of those things are true. It's just that if I say them out loud, all of those things, every single one of those things are true. And if you were here, you would just watch it. You would just, you just watch it across the, the river. You know, people float across, you know, and then the people who are floated across have to go be slaves for a little while on someone's farm. And all the, all the money goes back to the, the cartels. You know, if they're deployed along the barter. What? The, the Texas National Guard was deployed after the Title 42 ended. Oh, and right. And there's positive news there that, that they have stopped the surge in Texas. They have stopped it. That is positive Excellent. news. I heard it confirmed on local uh, local Fox 7 last night. You know, and, and Mary and I are about the same age-ish. Um, and uh, one of the things I would encourage everybody to do with MTG Marjorie Taylor Greene and her impeachment articles is impress, even if you have a leftist congressperson who you don't think will follow up, impress upon them how important it is to follow up and make sure that they know that they want you to because enough complaining actually moves the stone with any kind of amount of moss on it. So if they're just sitting there sucking up their time in Congress and you start pushing on them, all of a sudden they have to say, well, I'm getting a lot of volume and they go by volume, whether it's loud on telephone or volume in mail. And I mean, snail mail. <laughs> um, you know, send them a postcard, buy a bunch of postcards from your, from the post office that are prepaid where you can just write no on this. Yes. On that and send it in. Um, because if they get a hard piece of mail, it's, you know, that is, that is two votes for the internet. You know, that's, it's just the way they count things. So I believe in that. I believe in, um, in, in civic advocacy, advocacy. And that's exactly what Gregor is talking about. We have a good system of representative government, uh, use it or lose it kids. Because if you don't, uh, there will, shall be people speaking for you that aren't, they're operating outside the terms of the actual law and the structure of our government and the structure of our government, you know, has a legal process that was approved of by the people for the people. But right now it's kind of the boundaries are kind of melting according to prosecutorial discretion and this mutation of boundaries around, um, uh, about, you know, through the DAs, but some of those DAs are scaling off. Uh, one of them was convicted before she even got into office. She just resigned. She just resigned because she uh, misused election funds. And I think that was in Chicago. Um, let me go to, I have something for uh, Peter. I wanted to indicate, because I see him down there in the audience, and I wanted to to tell you about the health breach notification rule. And this is just kind of an incidental. Um, so the FTC proposed an amendment to strengthen and modernize the health, bre health breach notification rule. And uh, the proposed changes would underscore the rule's applicability to health apps and other evolving technologies. The Federal Trade Commission is seeking comment 
on proposed rate changes to help reach notification rules or HBNR that include clarifying the rules applicability to health apps and other similar technologies. Since the rules issuance, health apps and other direct consumer health technologies, such as fitness trackers, have become commonplace. I suggest. Uh, hey, Peter, this, uh, and then we'll we'll take the call. Hey. So, good uh, yeah. So the, since the rules issuance, health app and uh, other direct consumer health technologies, such as fitness trackers, have become commonplace. Proposed changes to the rule covers business practices and tech developments increase both the amount of health data collected from consumers and the incentive for companies to use or disclose that sensitive data for marketing and other purposes. Quote, we are witnessing an explosion of health apps and connected devices, many of which aren't covered by HIPAA, collecting vast amounts of sensitive consumer health information. When this information is breached, it is more vital than ever that mobile health app developers and others covered by the HIPAA breach notification rule provide consumers with any FTC with timely notice about what happened, said Samuel Levine, director of FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection. The proposed amendments that to the rule will allow it to marketplace trends and respond to developments and changes in technology. Hello, Peter. What say you? Well, you know, like I said before, that the uh, HIPAA, if HIPAA is that is that good, then how you can get uh, a woman's uh, pregnancy information for yeah. the purpose of killing her for abortion? So HIPAA is not that the uh, you know is not treated as a sacred by by the courts. The courts knows HIPAA, you know, prevent anyone to leak a woman's uh, pregnancy information to any law enforcement. Yeah, and yeah. So they have they have to pass a law saying a a, a a fertilized egg is a person has the personhood. Then you can do all kinds of things, right? If a, I, that, I call that, those froyos, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm I not that cultural. Please forgive me. So I'm just I'm not advocating for king babies. I know the lot will be upset with me. I'm just under this law, HIPAA. How you can enforce any abortion ban unless you make a froyo, a person? <laughs> well, so that's the first thing. Now to address what you said earlier, you know, I'm not. I think our government really is crumbling because uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Henry David Thoreau. He said the 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 best government is the government who governs the least. You know, with all these law passing law stuff, I just think you know. It actually is bad for all of us, you know, enforce whatever the laws on the book. And, uh, you know, but you're correct about those mobile device collecting personal information, health information. Yeah, in information, personal information is ubiquitous because we're in a different time now, you know. But really, you know, it's, I personally do not think the government solve any real problem you know there's a lot some law needed like HIPAA and all that but but the, the more they pass laws because I'm not I'm going to talk about TikTok law tomorrow you know the more you pass law you pass it's, it's more chaotic this country is going to be yeah I, I'm I'm um, I'm of the opinion that this TikTok ban 
is just kind of a, a kind of what they call a litmus test. Cause uh-huh. I, I can't tell you that there's so many things. I, in fact, I got, I fought with the, the reasoning. The, let me put it this way. Um, Glenn Greenwald is against the TikTok ban because of censorship. Okay. But, but he also lobbed these other terrible arguments that we should, we should, you know, just kind of let the security state uh, administrate it because the NSA already owns you kind of thing. So, I mean, he was uh, kind of like devil, devil's advocate, devil's advocate. And the uh, other thing that he brought up was um, the fact that, that, uh, that TikTok would be a, a, um, a, a point of conflict with China as a whole and that it would be, um, so that, that was just one of them. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was, uh, tomorrow I'm going to talk about, uh, it's called the, the condom laws, C-O-N-D-O-M. The condom laws are made for one specific purposes. And, uh, you know, TikTok law will be one of the condom laws. There's a tons of condom laws in the U.S. history. The laws are made for specific political purposes. And uh, in regard to the TikTok ban, uh, I think uh, Ron pa- Rand Paul now is out and say he is not going to support the bill that's going to ban the TikTok. I said, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. And, uh, no, I mean, you know, there will be a reason, and and I I'm eager to hear what the reason is because I think that this is uh, when a state passes a law like this, it's it's a way to get the debate going. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But uh, I'm sorry, uh, go ahead and re- uh, Google Rampa and TikTok. You will show. I did not even read that much. If it's because of this, my Sunday show has a theory. So using that theory. I can predict what's going to happen, right? Okay. So, you know, using my theory, I know Texas will will have this law banning some Chinese not buying land. And Wyoming can have some law saying ban TikTok. All this kind of shit, because uh, that's how, how our democracy operates. And we actually do not give people liberty by passing laws. We actually control, the government control we the people by passing laws, you know. And, well, I mean, that's that's the limits. And the thing is, is that you've got to get to the government and self advocate before they they pass a, a a law or a measure or a limitation upon the people before they speak for you. And I have lost some of those battles. I can tell you that you know if, if yeah. you're active and you have a position and you mm-hmm. you need to get in there and self advocate for the position, whatever it I- is. Actually, I'm going to agitate people because I think my Sunday show is always, you know, my show is all about agitating people, right? So actually the next target I'm going to agitate is those who call themselves uh, libertarians. (laughs) Uh, 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 Too bad it's on Sunday. Too bad it's on Sunday. I'm I'm going to call in to... to say Stephen Miller Miller's show because I, I like Stephen Miller. I mean, I, I I always enjoy a good conversation. I, I found out he's a very fair-minded guy. And yesterday he banned someone, which I agree with him uh, by the name of Lysol. And he said this guy Lysol is uh, keep posting chats in the in in Stephen Miller's room. 
uh, Stephen Miller invited him to speak. Uh, it's talking about, I think, uh, I forgot what it is. Uh, it's, uh, it, oh, it's about transgender stuff. So, so, uh, and also about like a violence against women, you know, just like a guy being creepy towards women. So, uh, so Lysol did not accept the, uh, invitation, but keep on posting nasty shit against other people. And so Stephen Miller said, I give you the opportunity to debate. You did not show up and you just keep harassing my audiences. Therefore, I ban you. I agree with Stephen Miller, but however, I disagree with the Stephen Miller's point. Um, so I'm going to call him soon in his room. I already called in a little bit, just offer my opinion okay. on certain things. Oh, he appreciated okay. it. But now I'm going to come out and say, hey, Stephen Miller, I'm going to uh, debate with you, say, I will disagree with you. So quick point is this. I know Greg is a, a, a libertarian. Uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're both libertarians. Oh, you are both. Okay. So, so I, I, you know, I will, I will, because uh, the other day I called the Stephen Miller show talking about Tucker Carlson uh, criticizing the FBI and DOJ about the arrest, uh, the raid and the arrest and the indictment of uh, African Socialist Party's uh, chairman and his organization's how, uh, offices, and all that. And Tucker Carlson said, this is a serious violation of the First Amendment rights. I agree with Tucker Carlson. But hilariously, nobody from Libertarian Party says any shit. And this is why it relates to me, because there's one lefties uh, during the time there is a uh, rage against the war machine rally uh, organized by, I think, uh, two parties. One of them is a Libertarian Party. And one of the commentators said the Libertarian Party is a racist organization. Now, uh, then, yeah. I was not buying into that. But, but this... Uh, Peter, Peter, uh, the, 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 the balloon payment on what racism is has greatly expanded with interest. You follow me? Like, you don't even have to do or say anything racist. All you have to do is show up and speak to person that they don't like, and you are all of a sudden, la, la, yes, yep, and here's yep. the racist bill, and you're mm -hmm. going to have to pay for racism now. What? Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but what I'm trying to, but my, the point I want to make is that, because I, when I call Stephen Miller, uh, ask him about what does he, what's his thoughts on that FBI raid and the indictment. Of uh, of just being associated with uh, with some uh, Russians, and uh, Stephen Miller, he himself does not know, did not know. He said he's gonna look it up. I was like, this guy's arrest should have been like Edward close to Edward Snowden's action. Basically, this is a clear infringement of free association rights, and yeah. you will you will help that the, both the left and right could have unite i think this must stop you cannot say because this is on the doj's national security division's website okay i'm going to explain so, that briefly peter go ahead. Mm -hmm. right now the left is has been ideology ideologically captured and used and is being used at they're they're shuttling them as useless idiots operatives everywhere to do propaganda work for the national security state. So the left has been captured by the national security state and the foreign policy 
UN. I will say wait, both. Wait, 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 wait. UN, USAID, all of those folks. Okay? They want the anti-war left talking, speaking, advocating anti-war. They all want them on Ukraine. They all want them babbling the same propaganda and nodding their head. And if there is an anti-war left, they're being ignored. They're being pushed out. They're being pushed to the side. They're saying no to them, giving them, making them completely homeless. They're treating them like Matt Taibbi. Okay. All the civil libertarian left are being silenced. They are all on this network. And the free association with the anti-war right, libertarian right, there was a demanded wedge that was enforced by their stupid operating, stupid operators to keep the division up. And it's being driven by the national security state. So they're controlling, they're attempting to control the narrative around social media. They're attempting to control the algorithms so that the steerage is sure. So you keep these people away from these people. You don't get to see them. You follow them on your friend list. You never see them. Um, you know, and the list kind of goes on and on. So if you want an anti-war measure and you're an anti-war voice, you can't really necessarily see what's going on because the people who don't want you to talk to them are treating you like a six-year-old at a six-year-old's birthday party. They're calling your parental administrator and saying, this person cannot talk to this person. I don't want them at the party. Okay, and don't let them see each other. Yes, you what you described is more of at the technical level. My focus is always on the big picture that I can see is that even the so-called anti-war right, they actually just, they're anti the Ukrainian war. They won't get ready to have a war with China. That includes the Tucker Carlson. That probably includes the U. That probably includes a whole bunch of other so-called libertarians. And the other day, again, Stephen Miller's show, because I'm going to challenge him a little more. He, I think he knows what's coming. Okay. He talks about immigration crisis. I know Greg talks a great deal about immigration, right? And I think uh, you, Sheila, is in Texas. So I propose to uh, Stephen Miller, I said, when there is a border crisis into the U.S., it means other countries or the people from other countries are not respecting the sovereignty of the United States. I agree with Donald Trump when saying that. We must have a border or we don't have a country, okay? But my question is this, have the United States respect other people's border and sovereignty? Oh, that okay. is Sir, a libertarian. I, I so I this is what I'm saying, I, I told Stephen Miller, I said, don't you agree that all these migrants at our border is because we screw them loyally? We never respect their border? I mean, you don't have to be, a, don't call yourself a conservative, a, a liberal or libertarian. If you admit, we, not only we organize assassination, invasion, color revolution, mm. sanctioning, all kinds of shit, mm. including the kitchen sink. 
to make their lives miserable. We don't respect oh. their sovereignty. This, this is not our idea. Like, this is not a libertarian idea. But I'll tell you what, in every single party, this is, this is not a libertarian idea uh, to, to, to put um, extra national emphasis on managing other people's state. It's not in, we have like more non-interference in other people's government planned, you know, kind of a live and let live type of government. And yes. that's non-interventionist. And it is being I don't know. called isolation. They are yeah. saying that non-interventionism in other countries' affairs is the same as isolationism. It is not. And Correct. they also say that democracy exactly. is uh -huh. when we plan to for regime change of other countries. And I'm not on board with that either. That's how yeah. that's that's how yeah. anarchism came so, to Libya. I I call on people from both left and right. If you're serious about solving the border crisis, you want other people to respect our border and our sovereignty, we must start. Get started. Get started, meaning, get started, meaning respect other damn nations' sovereignty. As far as I'm concerned, if a other country wants to ban transgender, it's not because I don't care about trans person. I, I, I care about anyone. But I, it's not my fucking business. And I don't want them to come over here for no good reason. Right? right? But nobody from the left or right, either Trump or Biden, would admit that. Like I said, the so-called anti-war on the right, they just want to have a war with China. They cannot wait. Oh, they they're, they're wait. chomping at the bit. And the thing is, is that I don't... Here's the thing, Peter is that aggressions from both sides are present right now. Now, what has bothered me about the narrative and the narration around these is that they're preparing a budget ahead of time, okay, by saying that there's already a war. But I think that what has been disincluded is this, this problem, that the one that I uh, brought up today, which is that the national security state is a beneficiary of Chinese business, okay? They, to technically decouple, and this is what I tell everybody who wants to start talking about Chinese war. How do you economically decouple from China? Because the first thing that's going to happen if this goes forward is that there will be a, a, a row of economic sanctions. They will jail U.S. citizens as, uh, as leverage captures, because this is what they do in communist countries when, we, when it goes hot. Okay, and then um, they start taking, they start stealing all the shit. You know, they start poisoning stuff. When things start going hot, they start doing legitimate hot things. Like, you know, and then they activate weapon cells all over the planet. That's what they do. That's war. It's not my plan. I don't want that to happen. They don't call me into the war room and say, hey, Sheila, what do you think we should do? No, no, that doesn't happen. But I'll tell you what, I would tell them uh, if there was a hot conflict on the verge, I would say, let's talk about how you want to decouple with China and start with the national security state and the technical state. Start with the platforms. Start with them. Start sanctions on the technical platforms first. And man, you will see the fleas come off of the dog. It will cover the entire head and turn the water black.
Yeah, I, I, I just think that uh, that. Uh, by the way, I am criticizing the left just as harshly as to the right, because uh, I consider myself a, a, a you know, a, a transcendentalist, meaning that I truly have to think above any religion, politics, and anything else. So this immigration is just an example. We don't respect other people's sovereignty, then don't expect other people to respect our sovereignty. Period. Now, I I get it, Peter, but in yeah. war, parity doesn't matter. No, no, that's war. No, 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 no. That, that's immigration. No, that's immigration. That's not even war. We just by color revolution. When I'm not saying we're invading people and all that, but when it comes to war, I'm not too concerned. Is this uh, actually you mentioned about AI? I mean, if you're old enough, you remember year two thousand. Like back then. In, in the 90s, year 2000, we're going to have some huge computer crash. So all, all these uh, Y2K. Oh, Y2K? Yeah, got cooked up. It's the same thing with AI. I mean, the, I mean, it's all part of the, I, I don't know how to say, like it, you, I think uh, some guy want to pass a law about AI and those kind of shit. As this is exactly how American has become un-American. Hmm. Everything comes up, we must have a law. Each law gives the government more power. Just remember this. Each additional law we put on the book give the police more power, give the courts more power, give the politicians more power. Okay? So so it's simple as that. So if you are freaking libertarian, you go read Thomas Paine. Well, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Peter, is that I've had communists try to tell me what, how I'm libertarian and how I'm not libertarian and try to define my political polity for me for years. I don't let people do that. You know, I don't let people. I don't think you ever met a communist, Sheila. I have, I have had people on this network who are actual communist party people. Okay. You know, Democrats and the like, tell me how I am or I am not libertarian. And, that, you know, they don't they don't care about what the actual tenets of liberty are. So they're disacquainted and they want to tell me what I am and what I do and who I associate with. And a lot of la, 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 they want to read me down and they don't know the first thing about liberty. They don't spend time on it. They just want an opponent to beat up. So, Gregor, what do you say? Well, I have would love to say I disagree with anything y'all have been saying. I can't. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of what's going on anywhere in the Ukraine. I'm not a fan of, you know, starting a war with China. But I will, and I will say this, yes, we did bring this upon ourselves. And it's all about the, the government wanting to be in charge. This whole notion of spreading democracy that happened in the early 1900s was insane. The way you spread democracy is you become the biggest financial power in the world by producing the best products, and then you trade with them and let them be. Make it a beneficial relationship where, you know, our goods and your goods, we exchange them, and eventually everyone comes on board just because it's the most practical way to go it. Instead, we had we forced this power of the seas thing where America became the world government's boot in order to make to keep the trade routes open sounds like a great idea keeping the trade route open the problem is we did it on ourselves we did it by ourselves instead of oh, incorporating yeah. the world and making it a trade issue making free trade what is the big thing now that's my libertarian side speaking but absolutely you know all of this war talk i have trouble with some libertarians only in the in the war talk because at all costs no war 
And I'm afraid I've been around long enough to know that that doesn't work. Um, you know, that we're going to have to be able to defend ourselves, but we should only be defending ourselves against an attack on our soil and everybody else will just trade with you. And if you don't want to trade with us, fine, we'll trade with somebody else. I guarantee it will find the trade. You want to get rid of, you want to pre, be pulled out of China, stop buying Chinese stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it sounds terribly simple. It's not. It's almost impossible to not buy something from China. So look local. Try to find local. Try to change the market aspect. Become aware of what you're doing and try to educate others and let them know the damage they're doing. Look at your iPhone. Look at some of the Android phones out there and say, oh, yeah, this one's made in China. It's not made in Korea. It's not made in Taiwan. It's not made in Texas. Um, you know, so maybe I shouldn't buy it. Uh, that sounds terrible. I know the iPhone users are going to be really unhappy with me for saying that. But you know what? iPhone can, uh, Apple can move their plants elsewhere. You know, you I, 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 product, I'm in will. total agreement with you, Greg Ryan. I'm in total agreement with you. It, it's just that you, we're, it's going to be a different type of world for a little while if you wanted to say, like, think, think about your clothing. Uh, you would have to kind of switch over. To, you would have to stop today all all buying of new clothing and rely exclusively on used and, and uh, reused or re recycled clothing uh, in order to, to not buy direct from like say a fast fashion. And um, that that's going to be difficult. It's, it's going to be inconvenient, but um, we're, we're kind of, I'm trying to entertain those things now. And you do it incrementally, like you, you work in recycling. Like if you're a green person, you work in your recycling and you work in um, different methods to, to build a discipline that, that supports your values. But you have to at least be interested and you have to say, no, I don't want to use slave labor. I have to be critically interested that the things that I buy are actually subsidizing slave labor. Now, how can I not eat salad, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try a little harder to find out which, which produce farms are fair trade. Okay. And, and, and require to only, only shop at places where they're not, they're not using, um, migrant labor that is, is child labor and, and subsidized that way. We used to go to Whole Foods and think like that. Well, Whole Foods was bought by Amazon, so I I think the I, I think, think you're very confused, Bila. To, to cut the chase, you are very confused human being, and uh, I think a lot of libertarians are confused human being because uh, I used this guy. Uh, Bob, uh, I guess Bob. you got it all figured out, Peter. But because uh, Bob, 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 this guy is a Georgia Republican, then changed to be a libertarian, and then changed back to the Republican. And uh, he is, I understand the pain that the libertarians feel because uh, the reason they left uh, Republicans because uh, they believe that under the Republicans' uh, administrations, the government actually also get bigger and bigger. And that is true. But they don't, they cannot hide their other shortcomings that uh, the Republicans share with them, such as being uh uh, not truly, uh, 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 what is it, accountable 
to what happened in the history of this country. Well, and, I mean, there's history, Peter, and then there's there's being excluded from the room when those decisions are being made. Now, you can drag Americans collectively, and you can drag my party collectively, but when you individually, which is what this is based on, we're talking about individual and lower self-government, okay? The, le- the, the bigger the governments get, the, the more out of reach it gets, okay? Okay, but the bigger the government, power it has to to as an individual so if you lower the power of the government then they then i become more and more out of reach for for you know things like death and sanctions and that sort of thing if you if you are not concerned about sanctions and and this is supposed to be the unsanctioned citizen but it's unfortunately that ai show today um because we we made it on ai AI in the power is a power tool in the hands of the national security state, who's actually become kind of like a uh, a, a covert, unelected. They do not have the consent of the people to run or operate the things of this government. They do not have the consent of the people to to manufacture a, a consent around their governance. Uh, and they do not enjoy uh, the discipline of accountability because they punish the people the best of their own when they come forward, when they start becoming deviant from the law. So we covered that last week when we ran tape with the whistleblower, um, Craig Sawyer. So um, I don't believe in collective punishment as, as a means to, to control or or castigate people. I think that that individual license and, and the law has its role. It has its role. But um, I'm going to have to 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 wrap it there. Gregor, do you have any final thoughts? For the uh, word sovereignty is really important in this country, and most people in this country don't understand what it means. I'm not going to give you a definition. I'd rather you looked it up and choose it for yourself. But the important part is is that you have power over this certain amount of space. And in this case, it's you. So yeah, sovereignty is something that the constitution was originally founded in 1789. And with the 10 uh, amendments that followed soon after proves that this country is based on individual sovereignty. We have lost that it has been tossed and the way it's been raped and pillaged by the abuse of the budget taking Congress out of the picture, out of lawmaking, by their own choice. They failed on their part, but that needs to come back or we need to reset. Okay. All right. Thank you, Gregor. Thank you, everybody. This has been the Unsafe Proxy of that AI show. Thank you for joining us. We'll, we'll be here next week at 2 p.m. to take your calls and to listen to you. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call-In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.